Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Aren't they great? I love laughing at church. If you can't laugh at church, you can't laugh anywhere. Uh, Well, Pastor Joel, Pastor Jen, send their love. Um, They are spending a weekend with Blakely, and she's got their volleyball team's been doing amazing, so they're actually out of town. And uh, they decided to let me be with you guys, if that's okay with you, so we can hang out for a weekend. And I am um, honored uh, to continue this series uh, on The Chosen, and it's such a powerful just video series. How many have seen it before? Have seen some of the episodes before? If you haven't, check it out. It's powerful. And um, I get to preach on one of my favorite subjects. I was so happy when Pastor Joel asked me to uh, preach on this. And I get to preach on the miracles of Jesus. If there is anything that separates Jesus from other people, it was the miracles that he performed. He truly was an amazing son of God. Now, how many grew up old school like I did? Anybody in here go to Sunday school? Um, remember the felt board Jesus? Is anyone old enough to have a felt board? And he had like this really weak like robe on and he had like sandals and he was always around like the sheep on the felt board and it always like made me have like this picture of Jesus that he was like this weak God, this weak person, like like he was the kid that would like miss the fly ball in center field because he'd be too busy giving glory to the Father, you know, and it's like, uh, but as I got older, I realized that Jesus was a man's man. He was bold. He was charismatic. He spoke to the masses. He had to deal with persecution, and he dealt with it perfectly every single time. And when we begin to talk about the miracles of Jesus, I mean, we're talking about not some guy uh, with moccasins in this bathrobe that he wore. We're talking about a bad man, a bad man, a strong man. You know, he was a carpenter. I don't know if they had Hebrew uh, Timberland boots, but if they did, Jesus might have been wearing them. You know what I'm saying? He was a carpenter. He was tough. He used his hands to work. And the miracles of Jesus are astounding. The man walked on water. He took loaves and fishes, and he multiplied them. He looked at a fish and pulled the fish out of the water, which I don't know how you pull a fish out of water. That's just cool enough. And then he pulled money out of the fish's mouth to pay off his taxes. How many could use that this time of year? I think I need a Jesus moment right there. I mean, he controlled the storms. He could literally speak to Mother Nature, if you will. Uh, not that I believe in that. I believe in a sovereign God. But uh, either way, he would stick his hands out and he would calm storms. And then look at his disciples with attitude like, why don't you have any faith? I was sleeping. You know, he woke me up from my nap. Jesus had compassion. He had compassion for a little boy who died and he rose him from the dead. He looked at his friend Lazarus. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out of the grave and he said, unwrap him because he's going to live again. We serve a Jesus that saw a man with a legion of demons. So he healed people. He rose them from the dead. He was in control of nature. And even demons had to submit to his authority. And Jesus said, come up out of this man and go into them pigs over there. 
Can never figure out why he wanted the demons to go into the pigs, but I like people more than I like pork. Can I get an amen? So when we go into this thing with Jesus, we're stepping into some sacred territory. Now, John, the very last verse of uh, all four gospels is John chapter 21, verse 25. And it says this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. However, in our Gospels, only 37 specific miracles are documented, meaning they have significant purpose and significant meaning. And their truths that the Holy Spirit wanted to get to us about these specific 37 miracles. And today, we're going to look at two of them, and they're two of my absolute favorite ones, even though I could probably say all 37 are kind of a big deal. Can I get an amen right there? So let's pray, and we're going to dive into it in a minute. Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray that you open our hearts, give us clarity, give us vision. Let us receive a miracle today if that's what we need. And Lord, I just thank you that you are the healer, you are the provider, you are the comforter and the counselor. And God, we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to get to this video in just a second. I wanted to read this clip from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How many received that verse for you today? I need some rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I love that Jesus gets us. I love that even though he gets us, he's not mad at us. He certainly isn't afraid of us, but he loves us with every fiber of his being. God makes the impossible possible. He parts ways for us that we can't part for ourselves. And I thank Jesus that even in our darkest moments, that he's the light that shines brighter. Check out this clip and see what Jesus does in this miracle. Yeah, go ahead. Let's give God praise right there. thing with leprosy is whenever someone would have it, they not only were unhealthy, but they lost everything. They couldn't be with their family any longer. They couldn't be in their hometown. They had to quit their profession. They were in pain. They were ostracized. And oddly enough, this is the first miracle that we see in the Gospels, and it comes from Matthew. And I think it's not ironic that it's the first miracles because leprosy, as in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 5 and 7, shows us that leprosy is a reflection to sin. It's behind the skin, but yet if we don't deal with our sin, it will eat at us. And sin spreads, and it spreads quickly. And there's only one remedy to sin, and that's Jesus himself who can heal us from ourselves, 
Come on, just by open confession. I don't do closed confession. I like to do open confession just so we can all work it out together. Um, how many professional sinners are in here today? Like you were really good at it, right? Like some of you were so good, you would get one sin and take another sin and mix it all together and then boom, sin cocktail right there, right? You knew how to do it. You knew how to spin it together. You knew how to repeat it. Anybody repeat sins? Anybody got that thorn in your side? <laughs> Let's be really open. How many sinned this week? All right, I like this church. You're keeping it real. I like that. You see, Jesus is the only remedy for us. And I find that we have to come to him over and over and trust him and put him in the center of our life. Now, obviously, he's going to heal you. You're going to get better. You're going to get stronger. Um, hopefully, you don't sin like you used to 20 years ago. Hopefully, God changed you and regenerated your life. Um, but man, I'm telling you, that sin stuff will eat you up. And here, I thought it was so just powerful, this leper that we just saw sees Jesus, and he's walking towards Jesus, and all the other disciples weren't too sure about that. One drew a sword and said, get away from me. And I truly believe this in our life. We have a lot of people that have rejected us. We've had a lot of people who have threatened us. We've had a lot of people that we've trusted that have abandoned us. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you lost a baby. I don't know what your story is, but it seems like in our life there's pain and there's tragedy. And if we focus just on the disciples who don't want us in this moment, uh, we're going to miss the big picture of who Jesus is. Some people miss Jesus because they got hurt in church. But guess what? The disciples were church people. They wanted nothing to do with the leper. They were learning from their rabbi. And as they drew near to Jesus, I love this, that Jesus said, y'all wait here, I got this. And he drew closer to the leper. The scripture says this, if you'll draw nigh to God, he will be faithful to draw nigh to you. He'll meet you in the middle. And that's the place that healing can truly take place. Leviticus chapter 13 lists all sorts of sin and what it's like and what it does throughout your body. It gives case after case and ceremonies and the law and, and what it means to be completely unclean. But as believers, we don't have to live like that. All we need is one remedy, and that's the remedy of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel that we're celebrating. That's the reason we praise him so much. I love the second part. As Jesus was coming near to the leper, the leper dropped down on his knees and hung his head and wept. I don't know if you've ever been through enough pain before, but the only thing you could do spiritually is to drop to your knees, maybe even physically drop to your knees and lower your head and say, Jesus, I need you. You're my remedy. He was calling on the name of God, needing him in this moment, and he knew that he had to submit to his power. What did Jesus do? Got eye to eye with him, prayed for him, healed him, did not judge him, and he was healed. I don't know where you're at spiritually, but I want you to know that if you'll kneel before the Father, submit to him, that he'll meet you eye to eye. He already knows you. He already knows what you've been through. So submit to the Father. That moment he was healed and the most powerful part for me was the embrace afterwards in the tears. 
You know, I don't come to church for good preaching, even though you get some of the best preaching with Pastor Joel and all the associates here, except for me, you gotta put up with me today. But they embraced each other. I come to church for a great word and to learn more and go deeper in what God's love is truly all about. But I come to church to worship. I come to church not to hear my favorite Christian songs. I come to church to lift my hands up and say, God, to you be the glory. God, I'm so thankful. Lord, I don't know where I would be without you. I come to church to kneel sometimes and just say, Lord, heal me again. Use me again. I come to church to get with you and pray with you. Because one will put a 1,000 to flight, but two put 10,000 to flight. But what I want you to catch right now is where two or more gathered, touching and agreeing one thing, God is in the center of it. Ladies and gentlemen, God is in the middle of this church right now. God is in the middle of this place right now. And we need to worship him and love him and praise him. In fact, why don't you do that right now? Give God a good praise for being in the house today. Come on, give God glory for all he's done. Come on, if it had not been for him, where would you be? He's a good heavenly father. Gave his life for you. And we're going to be celebrating that. And I should say we should always celebrate that. Jesus is the hope of the world. I wrote this down because I know when I'm in a room with this many people in it, pretty much any story you can imagine is in the room. It's just life is life. We know life's a, a tough teacher sometimes. And have you ever had those moments that you doubt? Like you go through something so drastic, so horrible, that you begin to doubt God? You can just let the preacher be the bad guy right now. You go, God, are you really there? Do you really care for me? You lost a loved one. Maybe you lost a spouse. Maybe you miscarried. Maybe you were abused. I don't know what your story is. Jesus does. He gets you. He knows you. But I do know this, that God can turn what the enemy meant for evil, and he can turn it to good. I know that because I lived it. And I wrote this down, and please don't get offended with me. Pastor Joel will be back next week, and he can fix what I'm about to mess up. I wrote down, could it be that our greatest need becomes our greatest blessing when it requires us to submit to Jesus? Read it again and get in a lot of trouble. Could it be that our greatest need becomes our greatest blessing when it requires us to submit to God, to Jesus. I loved what Pastor Joel preached on about submission uh, a couple weeks ago, that it's not us becoming weaker, it's us aligning correctly. It's us aligning correctly. Who doesn't want to align with Jesus? I want to be a disciple. I want to do my best to walk like he walks and talks like he talks. I want to do my best to love like he loves. I want to do my best to have faith like he has faith. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I've seen miracles in my life. 
I have prayed for people and seen the sovereign hand of God touch them and heal them right in the middle of the hospital. I remember one lady, we went to pray for her and she was not looking good. And we began to pray and we anointed her with oil and we brought elders with us just as the New Testament Bible instructs us to do. And just to help you, um, God's not done doing miracles in our generation. There's people that have preached it was only for Jesus and only for that generation of disciples. And I want to say I 100% disagree. I believe that when we lay hands with faith that God can do whatever he wants to do. He is the miracle worker. He is the healer. And he is the one who will get the glory for it every single time. And the lady was released like that. She's like, I, I feel something. Something's changing. And we're like, well, let's get the nurses. Came in, re-diagnosed you. Like, You're good to go. How I many like those days? Those are faith lifter days. So many times we doubt, though. And I get it. Tell the president I'll be with him after the service. <laughs> he never knows the right time to call. He's, he, he's always in his own world. That was on my notes. That was a total setup. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to take you to this next clip. It's one of my favorite just pictures of Jesus' grace and his faith and his love for people. It's one of the 37 miracles that's written about in detail. And if you haven't seen this or heard of this, I believe it'll change your life. What some call vandalism, Jesus calls faith. I can't imagine having the guts to cut a roof open in somebody else's house. I always feel bad for the person that owns that house. They never mention it. I think they wanted to keep it under wraps. But he was preaching in somebody's house. I feel bad that whoever opened up their house opened it up for Jesus so that Jesus could do miracles. And this is the offering that he gets from his people. But the most powerful part for me, obviously the paralyzed man meeting Jesus. But in this clip is that he had friends that really cared. He had people in his life that had the audacity to carry him across the city just in case this Jesus might be able to heal him. The only one who saw him was the one lady. She brought a whole bunch of other people and apparently was very convincing because they brought him quite a long way. And then when they couldn't get in, they still had such audacity that they cut a hole in the roof, pulled a hole in the roof, however they did it. I am so thankful for the people who have carried me in my life when I was weak, when I was paralyzed, when I was hurting. You know, I don't know how many fake friends you have, but it's really good when you get a real one. It's really good. And I want to tell you this. If you find a real friend, man, hold on to that real friend because they're hard to find. Joel and I constantly talk about our relationship. But man, he's been a real friend for me. He's been a real friend and he's held on for me in some tough times and I hope I've held on with him. 
for some tough times. I've got other friends that I've talked about before, my friend Israel. Uh, I have friends that don't go to this church, don't live in this state. I've got a handful. God's blessed me with college friends that I've stayed in touch with. And I actually have a couple high school kids that I stay in touch with. And just blessed me along the way. My first friend I ever made, his name's a unique name, Datavio. And uh, I met him in six, when I was six years old in Sunday school when we were looking at the Jesus on the felt board with the sheep together. And uh, I'm still friends with him. We were texting yesterday. He's a Duke Blue Devil. I'm like, man, are you watching the Blue Devils? And it didn't work out so well for him. So <laughs> I told him he's cursed because the Blue Devils beat Oral Roberts University the week before, and that's my team. So it wasn't going to work out. But I love that they carried him. In his dire point of need, they carry him, and they do something very aggressive. And they do something that would forever change this man's life. But out of all those friends, my best friend is right here on the front row. You better get brownie points for that. I'm not going to get any details. No need to. But when I was a kid seven, eight, nine years old, about three years, I was abused uh, by my babysitter. My parents had no idea. My family had no idea. But I was a hurting kid and had to grow up way too quick. People say that I'm an 80-year-old in a 40-year-old's body. And I said, I just got started earlier. <laughs> and at that point, I started dating Sarah. And I knew I needed to get counseling because I really liked her and I didn't want to mess her up. <laughs> and I knew I had some anger issues to work on. I had some things I needed to dive into. And I want to tell you, everybody in here, I believe full-heartedly in full Christian counseling. And if you're sitting there and you're like, I disagree with you, you need more counseling than anyone else in the room. <laughs> counseling saved my life. But there were times where I didn't want to go. It was too hard. Um, there were times after a session that I didn't even know if I could drive, didn't even, couldn't see the room would spin, my ears would be ringing, just dealing with psychological stuff. But Sarah carried me to every session, sat outside patiently an hour every session, and drove me home every session. Because of that, I bought her a giant diamond ring. I'm telling you what, she's not wearing it today because I don't want none of you stealing it. Amen. <laughs> but there's moments like that that you need to be carried. And I want to say this. There's moments and somebody that's watching online, this is for you, you needed to hear this. Sometimes it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to not be okay. And I wasn't okay. But God healed some deep things in my life. And we got married. She said yes to that big diamond ring. I don't know if she said it to me, but I wanted to make sure I sealed the deal. We've been married 16 years now. Two beautiful children. But 
that I had somebody to carry me. I want to ask another tough question. Don't worry. Pastor Joel will fix it next week. They only let me get up here like 24 times a year. I'm just kidding. But my question to you now is, who are you carrying now? If there were people there to carry you, I think that we should carry people. Who invited you to church for the first time? Who got you here when you gave your life to Jesus? I'm telling you, some of you are going to be carrying some people to Easter. 830, 10, 1130. Yes, that's a plug, a direct plug. But who could you carry? Whose family could be completely changed? What friend has kids that needs to go next door and hear the presentation of Jesus Christ? It could change them forever. I got to tell you, teenagers, there's a revival going on in your generation. There's a revival going on in your generation, and it's not just in one location or one place. I believe the Spirit of God is moving where the Spirit of God's allowed, and young people, you're going to win more people to Jesus than maybe even your parents have. God wants to use you in a radical way, and I'm telling you, you're going to meet Tyler Wooten next week. He's our new youth pastor, and, and he's amazing. You guys are going to love him. He's going to speak into your children and pray for them and lay hands on them, and um, God's moving. He's stirring something up with the younger generation. I want to be part of that movement. I want to be part of that movement. I'm going to share one more one story, and then we're going to watch our last clip here. I had a young teenage girl in my youth ministry, <laughs> and she actually went to a Christian school, but those of you that go to a Christian school, sometimes a Christian school isn't always that Christian. In fact, some of the problem childs at the public schools get put into the Christian schools. I don't know if it's like that in Texas, but in Colorado, we got some crazy vote. And the sweet, I mean, she was probably five foot tall. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Come here, Brooks. Look, you know you're going to be my illustration. Look at my sweetheart. Isn't she the coolest dresser? I'll tell you what, she's so gorgeous. Am I embarrassing you yet? A little bit. <laughs> Brooks, I'm gonna let you finish this sermon. I'm just <laughs> But about this size, and she came up to me and she said, I wanna see my entire school saved for Jesus. And I said, well, how many people are in your school? She's like, a couple hundred. I said, well, let's start praying. Let's start believing for it. So she comes up with this idea that every Wednesday night, she's going to throw a house party. The only requirement is, if you come to the house party, after the house party, we go to youth group. I mean, that's a brilliant idea. You can sit down. I don't want to bug you. I go, okay. She's like, can I use the church van? I'm like, sure. I'll let you use the church van. You can't drive it, but your dad can drive it. And so they started, and they had a pizza party. 12 kids started coming. 14 kids started coming. Before she knows, she comes up to me, hey, Pastor Adam, just full of faith, just a ball of fire. Can I rent a van? Can the church pay for me to rent a van? I said, how many kids are you expecting? 35. Well, then other parents in the church heard about this, so they started driving their minivans so that we didn't bankrupt the church on vans. And they started driving and carpooling. And I remember... Um, she did this for years, and it was her, I believe it was her eighth grade year, ninth grade year, ninth grade, I think. 
And I'm looking over, and this little girl brought 70 of her friends with her, and they're all sitting together. I took an altar call at that youth service. Not all of them got up. Hopefully some of them were saved. They were at a Christian school. But 35 kids came down to the front and gave their life to Jesus. All because of soda, pizza, and a rental van. Teens, you need to get your expectation ready that God's about to blow this youth ministry up and he's gonna use you to do it. He's gonna use you to do it. So young people, that question's for you. Who are you carrying? We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.